Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Flagrant Tape Podcast. I'm your host, Fred. With me today is a very special guest. Um, you know, I, I, I almost, I'm going to treat this interview like I'm, I'm interviewing a professional athlete for multitude of reasons. Let me let you know why. You know, he does something that I can only do for recreation, and he gets paid to do it, and I don't. Uh, he's in way much better shape than I am to do said activity than I am. And in high school, and he, maybe he and I might be the same age, we probably had the same dream to do the same thing, but he actually is doing it. So like the OGs before him taught me, he will be the person who teaches my son how to make love. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the one and only Mr. Jason Love. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing great, doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. And thank you again for coming on and, and, and lending your time, man. There's a, there's a lot that we want to cover over the course of this, this interview, man. And, you know, let's, let's just start, man. Louisiana. Where, where specifically, man? Where, where are you from? I'm from, I was born in Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay. Lived in New Orleans and currently reside in Lafayette, Louisiana, half the time there, half the time here in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Now, whereabouts in New Orleans when you had moved to the city? Where Whereabouts were you staying the at ninth, that point? The Ninth Ward. Ninth Ward. So, home of uh, Mr. Magic. I'm trying to dig back into my to my no limit cash money repertoire of knowing who was from where specifically. But uh, Ninth Ward, Mr. Magic. That's the first name that comes to mind. Uh, God bless the dead who recently, you know, passed away not too long ago. Him and his his beautiful wife. But. Uh, but man, so so growing up in Louisiana, man, uh, from Lafayette to New Orleans, um, I mean, we have heard it through entertainment of how rough it was. But what all did you navigate and have to avoid, you know, coming up in those environments, man? Definitely was a lot of fucking gang violence. Word. You either was in it or you was working. One of the two, you had to pick one. I feel you. Couldn't dabble in both of them. It was rough, but if you're positive, it's cool. Okay. And now I know that, uh, you know, growing up, you said you didn't have many friends. You had teammates. So, I mean, what, what sports did you engage in? We talking football, basketball? Everything. Word. Okay. Everything with a ball. Basketball, football, baseball, track, everything. Man, so if you had a desire or a dream to, to kind of pursue and go all the way with one, which one would it have been? I like basketball more, but I was better at football. Okay. I got you. I would have went the football route. I got you. And you also did some time in the military, correct? Yeah, seven years. Seven years? What branch? The Marine Corps. Okay, man. Thank you for your service, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Man, how did you get – so how did you make the jump of saying – because usually, I'll be honest, I don't know too many brothers who just willingly go to the service. Like, I had a homie who went to the Marines, but – that was kind of better than the alternative of what he had going on back home in Cincinnati. You know what I'm saying? So for yourself, was it something along those lines? Was it something you were already interested in? Okay, so when I was like 15, I was kind of small. I hadn't had my growth spurt yet. So I was going to go to the military. So I signed all the documents and shit to go to the military. And then like my 16th summer, I grew like fucking six inches, seven inches. Oh, word like fucking mad tall and I was like super good in sports so I got college scholarships and shit to go there but I had already signed up to go to the military and my recruiter wanted the money so he told me I had to go off and go to military prison lies 
So I took his word and went to the military, and then I lost my hearing in my right ear after about seven years. Oh, and I got I started working, dancing, webcamming, you know, trying to get the money everywhere. What was your special specialization within the military? Was there? I, I was a three zero one eight. That was a sniper. Okay, I got you, man. Damn. Well, I can already say, man, your adult life has been way cooler than mine, man. That's why I interview you, and I'm the one asking the questions, man. But your transition of becoming a civilian after that military stint, was that something that was difficult for you at all? Maybe the first year and a half okay. I went to was kind of foggy. My aggression levels was high. But after, after that, after about a year and a half, my mind stabilized me. It was back to normal. Okay. Now, did you go overseas? How, did you do any tours? Yeah, I went to Korea. That's why I got hurt. Okay. Went to Korea. Went to Germany, Iraq, a few places. Okay. All right. And what was the injury that, that caused the loss of hearing? A flash grenade. Okay. Flash grenade uh, ruptured a nerve in my right ear. So okay. I can't hear like 95% hearing loss. I got you. I got you. But I hear better in my left ear. So, you know. All right. So you only hear half of the screaming you make the ladies do, is what you're saying. It's not fully turned up <laughs> as it could be. <laughs> Word, man. So was it upon I mean, coming? Say that again. I'm sorry. I said, you know, sound waves break up in the, uh, a few thousand channels and they separate with your ears, right? But being that I can't hear in one, the sound goes directly to my left ear. So I hear it faster than the average person. So it's actually a blessing and a curse. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Word. So, upon transitioning back into civilian life, is that when you immediately jumped into uh, exotic dancing, or or what led you to that field? Okay, so when I got out, I got out, went to school for a while, graduated, got a few degrees. Then after that, I got a regular job as general manager of a furnishing company. I did that for a long years, years, and I started dancing while doing that maximize my profitability and I started liking the dancing then somebody um, told me webcam girls is making a lot of money I was like yo dude do it like yeah so I started doing that shit making like tons of money and then I quit that shit and then I started just dancing only and then um, one of my photographers from one of my pictures told me that black was trying to get in contact with me and then I emailed them and they, they told me they wanted me to work for them I'm like yo I didn't think Porn stars really made that much money like that, from what I assumed. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I was incorrect. If you do, if you do it good, you can make <laughs> amount of money. So right. I accepted it. They told me they wanted me to come try out, and I'm like, "Yo, I don't need to try out. I do this." And they're like, "Yeah, everybody say that, but it's different with the cameras on." So I'm like, "Okay." So I fly out there. I do the first scene. They're like, "No way. You know, not here. See if you can do it again tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, I do even better." starting to get the, 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 you know, the mental aspect of the angles and stuff. So they was like, what? Like, yeah, we want to sign you to a contract. Oh, and my. All right, so. Yeah, how much are you going to pay me? Oh. <laughs> so we, we're going to definitely slow down that. So from how did you initially build your clientele doing cam work? How does one build that clientele up? Well, Okay, so basically, the company that, that you um, webcam with, they already have a promotional tool. So they're already blasting you to a, a massive database of, of, of traffic customers every day. So basically, if you just do a good job, then the customers then rate you 
based off if your rating is high enough, it puts you at the top of the feed category. So people will see you in the first of the bulk of people. So that's how you get more viewers. Okay. See, and that's something that, you know, I didn't know, man. I had no idea how that stuff worked. So, uh, <laughs> you know, plus it's something that can, you know, benefit the listeners out there as well as the aspiring models that I'm sure will be listening to this episode in regards to that, man. So, you know, what was that? Because, I mean, getting that initial wave of feedback, you know, I mean, you're hearing from women. You're, I would imagine you're also hearing from some men as well. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the webcam address? Correct. Correct. So what was yeah, that like? In it, so you, you, you don't know the gender. Okay. So you only see a username. Okay. So obviously it's, it's a mix of men and women. You have to be comfortable with your sexuality to be able to present visual entertainment to anybody. Right. So it's like it's men, it's women, and you just you just entertain them. You feed into their fantasies, and you just do the best you can. The better you do, the more money you make. Got you. And for yourself, was that anything that was a, a stretch or a step out of your comfort zone in regards to what you might have been comfortable with sexually? enough to realize what I had to do in, in, in that situation. It's not like nobody's touching me. So I just treated everybody as a as a friend or a fan. Like each, each one, I would just treat them with respect. And regardless of their gender, none of that matter. And I just perform a good service for them. And they, they loved it. They used to call me the God of Camel. No doubt, man. And so that first day you stepped onto the set um, and, and had your tryout, I mean... You know, obviously, I've heard the stories listening to, to other podcasts and, and women giving it from their perspective in regards to dealing with a male who was new or trying out or what it may be. Um, for yourself, was that, I mean, how long did it take for you to, to get comfortable with the lighting, hearing, direction as you're doing your thing? Like, all of that for you. Um, I don't know. I'm an optimist exhibitionist so everything I do I like to do with my best so I, I would be a liar if I didn't say I didn't have a little bit of nerves in me but it wasn't that bad because I danced in front of 800 women at a time and I was I was already a model so I was comfortable with the camera now having people right there while you fucking is a lot different you know because like they like right there so you have to be able to mentally block them out and right. focus on the task at hand. So it, it was a little strange. But after a while, <laughs> it, it became routine, you know? Right, right. Now, for yourself, how did you, I mean, were you always, I mean, you said you're exhibitionist. Were you always this comfortable with sexuality? And I, I think, for me, I mean, I started watching HBO at like 9, 10, 11. So you're seeing the hookers and johns at the point. Uh, G-string divas, I mean, you know what I mean? Pimps up, hoes down. So for me, seeing nudity was something that I, I took in early as an age. And of course, as you, you get older, it's going to peak curiosity of seeing more in different stages of it. For you, was it a similar, you know, yeah, assimilation? I started, watching, I started watching porn, sneaking, setting my alarm clock at 3 o'clock in the morning to, to when my mom and dad would go to sleep and I would go in the living room and I'd hack one of the direct TV cords so I had all the channels. So 590 to 599 was all porn. And I watched this every night and just and choke my chicken. Every single solitary night. Right. Never miss. Right. But so I, I, I would skip Sunday because my parents would be up kind of long on Saturdays, rather. Okay. But on other nights, I'm killing this since nine years old. 
<laughs> so Saturdays were the tough night. <laughs> yes, Saturdays is hard to do with sneaky. I was gonna get caught. Word, word. So. You know, they bring you back for a second day, a second tryout day after, I guess, of course, the, the heat check, basically, to see if you still got it or was that just, you know, lightning striking once. Was it with the same female? Was it with the same no. actress? It was a different one. Okay. So were these already established actresses or were they trying out as well? They were already established. Okay. One, okay. one was fairly new. Okay. Uh, yeah. Evelyn Clare, she was fairly new. One of them was... Majorly established. Okay. Uh, Nicole Aniston, I believe, was my first. Oh scene. wow! Which that's it, like. It's made matches. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, at that point, I was just like, "Yo, okay, so I gotta get this done. Like, do it the best you can do it. Get this check on to the next one." And that's what I did. That was her first interracial scene too, if I'm not mistaken, either. So that was. That was crazy. That was big. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? In regards to dealing with this actress, you know, crossing over of sorts to an audience that, you know, unless you knew her from previous work, you may not know her. And mm -hmm. and is with you as a new guy coming into the industry. So it's like crazy. It definitely set the set the stage to be overwhelmed, but I didn't allow it to get them. I got you. I got you. So you completed that that scene and that was the point in time when Black said we want to sign you. And I mean, for them, I mean, they were still, at least that branch of black. I mean, I, I, Greg Lansky, veteran in the game, OG. Mm -hmm. um, but black was new, right? Was this kind yeah, of the genesis like, of that scene? Before, obviously, Black Raw kicked in? Yeah, because they started Black Raw with me. Okay. But uh, black was already established, I want to say, like, maybe five years, but it was still on the coming up phases. Okay. Still, it was becoming, you know, one of the, the, the pioneers of interracial, but... Now, I think they're like seven, eight years in. Okay. I got you. And, and in regards to, to signing with Black, I mean, that, that's something where I had never known of, of male talent having exclusive distribution deals, I guess is how they would view that. Yeah. And, you know, especially now in the era of cams and, and you know, you have, you know, Pornhub, RedTube, XTube, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. you know, I was wondering for you, with signing a deal, what is it beneficial to the, the talent when there's so much straight-to-consumer content? Okay, so it comes in, into the ballpark of I don't have to find work. I don't have to get cast for different work. I, I always have work, and I have a constant, sustained income each, each month. Okay. So the, the benefit is I have that sustained income. I, I know it's coming no matter what. I don't have to hustle for work. Um, a scene get canceled because of, of, of a girl's problem or something. Um, I don't have to worry about not getting paid as do other times we have to worry. Okay. So it's beneficial in that way. Got you. Now, um, you know, we'll talk about a, a first couple of your scenes. And as far as Black Raw, I mean, they started that with you. Was that based off of saying your talent, your feedback we're getting from your performances, let's try to find a lane specifically to highlight you? Pretty much in a nutshell, as I went. Okay. You know, but, but my my look is per se raw, so it kind of was like a perfect merge. What was that initial impression when you step onto the scene with the tattoos and you know? Uh, agents agents really didn't want to uh, want to book me with the girls because I look intimidated. I look like a bad guy. Gotcha. You know, it looked like I had lack of intelligence, like I was straight out of prison or something. Okay. But 
but Lansky, he he made certain that y'all gonna shoot him. That's my guy. You're gonna shoot with him. If y'all don't, then you know. So they took a chance. I shot with one of the one of the girls and stuff, and the girls had good good positive feedback about them. Like, oh, guess another bad guy. So as I shot with more girls, you know, the report basis went up, and then they knew I was I was a good guy. Well, I mean, so that's now I'm highly sought out. So in essence, you were like the DMX of porn then, right? Because before it was the shiny suits, clean shaven. I mean, growing up watching uh, Shawn Michaels and guys, guys like that, you know, Lex, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? OG, Salute. Uh, even Wesley Pipes, always, you know, clean shaven or just a goatee. And not okay. much beyond that. And so, you know, this was very much so different and, you, you know, unique, but, but also was a hit. I mean, taking yeah. that risk, taking that gamble, you know, showed that it could be lucrative. That was a good gamble, I must say. I might not thank them for, for the gamble. <laughs> now, um, if I'm not mistaken, did you do a scene with August Ames, the late August yes, Ames? Yeah. yeah, God Bless the Dead. And one, of, one of, still tell today, one of my favorite scenes. I loved August. Yeah. I was very sad when I found out after. Absolutely. And she was always, I mean, somebody who followed her on IG. You just saw a lot of her personality in her scenes and also on social media. And you would see that it's, it's not unlike the other. That was genuinely her. And uh, a free spirit, kind-hearted spirit, and I, I, I didn't, yep. man. I, I hated to hear that, man. So yeah, it was, it was very much of a shock. Yeah, yeah. And and in regards to the industry, uh, I mean, obviously that case was a matter of bullying, but you know, you hear behind the scenes of not only substance abuse, but things could be really clicky. Um, have you ever encountered or seen that on set? In regards to bad behavior, now please don't. I'm not asking for names. You, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Simple yes or no is all good. But I never really encountered no scenario of that part because obviously if they took something, they took it prior to me seeing them. And I had some scenarios or situations where I'm looking at them like, yo, you have to be lit off or something. Yeah. Like, there's no way that your energy level is is that heightened. Yeah. And I'm like, but you know. I don't know how that day, as long as the scene come out good. Right. For you to make the scene good, by yeah. all means. Yeah, so what would you say as the, the, the male talent, but also male star on the set, between takes, I mean, are you conversing? Is it, how do you, ba- like, what's the, the feeling on the set of a movie? And I would imagine you would have a lot of influence on that, being a star. Yes, very much so. So, like, for example, um, I read on Twitter yesterday, somebody said, anytime we have Jason Love on the set, you're going to cry laughing, and it's going to feel like you're not even at work. So I try to in- increase the environment energy, try to make it a good aura, where we all having fun, we clowning, we acting silly. It's fun. It's not even like we're at work. We're really just having a fun pastime. Yeah. Getting paid for it. No doubt. No doubt. Now, have you ever not jived with your co-star on set and just decided, you know, and it was an awkward silence or <laughs> what have you, you know, in between takes. And you're trying to find ways to regenerate the positive energy once, uh, you know, it's action. No, I, I started from the ground floor. So when I walk in, automatically, I'm, I'm, I'm making everybody have fun automatically. And I had some girls tell me that it was awesome work. We had so much fun and they work with some guys and it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. You know, <laughs> but. I've personally never encountered it because, once again, I increased the energy in the room. Okay. I try my best to do so. All right. Now, in, in, in doing, you know, any great interviewer does proper research. And I read an interview where you had 
the question was, if you could work with any talent still, uh, who would it be? And I saw the answer there. I won't say it now. In for fe- it. Is it still the same answer? It should be. What was the name? Tanalia. Um, yeah, I would love to shoot with her for Black Rock. She'll okay. be a perfect. Like our tattoos would mix perfectly on Black Rock. Right. Yeah. Now, and do- I also want to. I want to shoot with a Bella Danger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what am I gonna say? Nah, man, you shouldn't do that. That's not a good move. Uh, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> I, I love all her work. She gets into it. No doubt, no doubt. And were you at the award show last week? The uh, the musically created by Kanye West uh, award yeah, show. That, that was that was fun. That was fun. I feel like that's something that was long overdue. Not necessarily just the Kanye West influence, but why hadn't there been more crossover? In that world, because I feel like you have to cross paths with entertainers of all kinds, mm-hmm. and and so uh, to me it was trippy that that this was the first time, and I feel it should lend itself to more, you know, pairings, the right everybody, pairing though. Everybody else was like, um, kind of keep this up in the shell. They didn't want to do nothing that's going maybe causing them kind of kind of like degnatory energy towards their name, but Kanye always wanted to, you know first and foremost to do things outside of the box he made it seem right and which it is because it's all entertainment like, it's all entertainment. entertainment and i and i even heard uh i want to say it might have been riley reed don't misquote me who said he actually views this for what it is which is art you know exactly. and to me that that is it to me there's nothing more beautiful beautiful than the female body right exactly. And there's no more, there's no act that's more explicit, raw, but also pure than a man, woman, you know, intimacy. I'll just say intimacy. I won't even attach gender. Intimacy. It's a human, it's a human task. Everybody do it. It's made for reproduction. It's made for pleasure. And also, you get all that from the mental and the art of porn and increases that aspect of the mentality of, of being able to be pleased and getting your mind involved in the situation. Porn saves marriages sometimes, I assure you. Yeah, hey, you know, the wife just stepped out of the room. Hey, man, you know, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> now, you know, with you being, you know, I, I would say franchise player of, of black and, and definitely a black role. I mean, do you have creative input in regards to ideas you're tossing around that you could go to the powers that be? Definitely. Yeah, not just on talent, but also storyline and premise. Yep. If, if, we're, if we're on set and I see something that, you know, could differentiate the scene to a positive way, and I say something, then if it's doable, we'll, yeah. we'll do it. Word. Okay. Okay. And, and for me, I, you know, I'm naturally curious, but I won't ask on camera or, you know, on the mic. I don't want somebody to steal your idea of what, what storylines, premises, like, I mean, for you, did you ever view the uh, parodies as corny? Because some ideas can actually work. It's all a matter of yeah. the writing and the acting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, we'll come out with a, with a plot line, you know, like, you know, going two guys playing one-on-one, and they bet, they bet, but the bet is each other's women, and the winner gets the other guy's woman. Okay. You know, some right. stuff like that. You know, like ideas yeah. like that. And we try to put that into, into fruition. See, when I was 23, I would have definitely took that bet, man. I'm 32 now, bro. I ain't, I can't do that. I need at least a training camp. 
33. <laughs> okay, word, word. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need a trading card before I would ever, ever. And then my wife would leave me as soon as I told her. So, uh, you know, but but seriously, like, for real, am I bugging if I were to think, like, a, an Avengers parody? I mean, a lot of trademarking things would be tough. But... You could work it. That could work, though, because then you exist you in your own names. universes. Yeah, you can use the character names. You can use the likeness. Okay. So it would work. It would work. You but know. You have the, out, the outfit on, per se, yeah. similar to that character, the plot line you would get. So how many Black Panther parodies did you get approached with earlier this year? Yeah, about about three, but being <laughs> that I'm on a, on a contract of exclusivity, I can't shoot with nobody else. So Got you. I'm like, I'm like, yo, there's no point in you sending me this script. I can't, I can't shoot for it. Got you. Got you. Now, ultimately, you know, be, you know, with the, the hustle of an entrepreneur, um, ultimately financial freedom, creative freedom, whatever that may be, would always be the ultimate end game. And for you and I, the people that we watch growing up, the cash, I mean, you talk about it, the cash money's the masterpiece of some sort, you know, they ultimately achieve that financial freedom. They are their own boss. So for yourself, what are your ambitions as you navigate through this industry? Obviously, the end game, end goal would be to have my own production company where I can bring my creative ideas into action and make some, you know, good money off of it. I, obviously, I want to be behind the camera, I mean, in front of the camera the entirety of the time. After that, I would like to branch over to being behind the camera. Okay. Okay. What you, I mean, I've, I've seen a few actresses that have been able to do that, and, and so it would be, and obviously Lexington still as well. You know, yes. he with with his company. Now, do you have a rapport relationship with a lot of the, the, the OGs who came before you? Yeah, um, a few of them. Like, uh, I'm, I'm cool with a lot of the guys. Okay. Like Black Brown, Rob Pipe, all, all those guys, man, Dingo, I'm cool with all of them. Okay. Uh, for example, last night, me and Ray Black went to the comedy show and uh, looked at some comedy. What? You know, I'm pretty cool with all of them. Okay, okay. Now, I'm ever standoffish, I'm a loner, but I'm, I still, you know, Got you. Now, for you, I mean, are you have has anyone approached you yet? Now, youngins getting into the game or interested in getting into the game ever hit you up offline or you know? Every day, gotcha. every single solitary day, never ever miss. And now, as a loner though, what's your? How do you navigate that? Are you giving feedback or? Even a teacher can be a loner. You can be the best professor in the world and still be a loner. So when they ask me. You know, I delegate my knowledge to them and explain to them how to get to it and the best ways to do it, the best things to do when you get on set. And I got a few guys that actually got into the business based off of the, off of the advice that I, I've given them, and they're doing pretty decent thus far. Okay. Now you mentioned you and your, you know, you and your homie went to the uh, to the comedy show. Is it hard to not become the main attraction wherever you go in public? Yo, like yeah. Like, <laughs> you already have a unique look unto itself. But now that it's a look that everybody can see you, it knows you. <laughs> People gonna notice you without a doubt. It's like you're the seven foot athlete in the room and everybody knows it. You're, you're getting to the comedy show and, and, and you'll be the butt of jokes. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, like, I got in there and I wanna see the guy named Craig Robinson. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, man yeah, with the fro, yeah. Plus, yeah, so he actually um, took my black hat. He's like, man, I love black. I'm like, yo. <laughs> that cap is not for sale, like. Yeah. But he like his whole routine, comedy routine, changed to porn after he noticed who I was. Yeah. And obviously, I was dumb because I went there with two young ladies, white of course, 
Um, she kind of like threw the attention. I'm like, really, Jason? You gonna wear the cap? Set you yourself up for that one. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, for someone who is, you know, self-proclaimed loner, lone wolf, myself, I can absolutely identify with that. You know, you do seem, I mean, you are very, you know, appreciative of your, your fan base. So how are, you know, being approached in public? How do you, you know, handle that? I treat them all one and the same. Not a, um, no, no, no treatment of differentiation by nobody. I just treat them all the same. Like, you know, hey, take a picture, give them a hug, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which is which is cool because I like seeing that in regards to yourself. Um, I mean, even you know, I you know, Lexi Bell is really great with her fans as well. And as far as that appreciation, I'm sure there are many others. But yeah, and 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 that's something to you know. I used to work in a, a gentleman's club as security, and we would have you know entertainers who would come through on tour and. That wasn't always the case. I mean, that wasn't the rapport. It was kind of like, you know, I'm going to sign the autograph, but don't touch me, don't do nothing, you know, and then kind of get out of the way. But for yourself, that appreciation, is it is it just naturally within your personality? Well, you know, once again, I'm from Southern Distance, so it's like being Southern, you, you have a high level of humility. Like people, you know, pass and say hello to any and everyone. I'll, I'll pass and say hello to a homeless person as though he's a regular person because yeah. on the on the inside everybody's the same. So it, it doesn't matter your job; it's just your job. Everybody's human. Yeah. You cut me, I'm gonna bleed just like the, like a poor person. Yeah, yeah. And so you know what what was it that led to your decision to you know stay in Lafayette part time? Was it a lot of those valuables and principles that were instilled yes. in you? Um, the cost of living is way cheaper. Like in LA with the money I make, consider the king. But you take that same money and go to Louisiana, being the cost of living drops. It's like being a god, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. financially. Not saying in retrospect, my spirit or whatever. Right. But and, and then my daughter, she's twelve years of age, so I have to be able to go back and see her. Gotcha, gotcha, man. Much respect to that. Now. How those conversations? Does she know what dad does? And and you guys oh, are you know. I sat her down and explained to her. She's twelve, going on twenty-two in the brain, so she <laughs> basically knows everything. So I just sat her down and explained to her what daddy does and why it's different for females. So you know, it wouldn't be a route you should go. And I'm gonna make your life the way you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that you know, a couple more questions. I'll let you get out of here. I have my first daughter due this November, man. What advice can you give me for raising a girl, man? Besides, I already know I'm going to be wrapped around her finger, but but <laughs> what else do I need to know? Tell her that she's beautiful all the time. And give her that, that, that strong male foundation. And as long as you present that, she won't have any daddy issues. And she, no guy won't be able to come to her and tell you she's beautiful and try to swindle her mind because you will already have had told her that uh, the entirety of her life. So she's used to it. appreciate that man um before i let you go man i want to talk to you because you know obviously your star power now is tremendous but you know there was a point in time where a lot of the top actresses i mean you've had the you know the opportunity to be able to act and, and perform with them but there was a point in time where you know white female you know adult film stars were almost uh dissuaded from interacting with african american talent um, for yourself, what's the climate of the industry now? Well, it used to be have a high stigmatization of you 
compete with a black guy, you're going to lose all your Caucasian fans. Your Caucasian fans is the bulk of your revenue, so don't do it. But now it's getting more to a more free-spirited racial world where race is not really that much of a factor. It's still fetishized because of the different impact of the, of the, of the penis sizes or whatever. So they figure, you know, the big black penis and the little small white girl, the color contrast, it's like it's... it's they use it as a as fetish tool now, which which is understandable. I guess whatever works. Mm-hmm. But before they was like, you shoot with a black person, and your white fans gonna leave. But it's not like that so much anymore. So with with you know, in essence, the the BBC viewed as a fetish for yourself. Has that ever been an uncomfortable connotation for you? No, like my my parents always taught me, you don't look at the color of a person, you look at their actions. And their character. So my father had all Caucasian uh, friends. My mom had obviously all black friends, but I had a mix of, of friends. The few that I had, for me, it was like two or three. It was like two white guys and one black guy. But I never seen race. And then going into the military, you know, and the military is, is split. You got all types of races. So you learn to just, you know, evolve with everybody. Absolutely, man. Well, you know, before we get you out of here, uh, what what projects are you working on now that you're able to discuss publicly? Um, I think October 15th, my dildo drops for Doc Johnson. So that's, that's a good look. So that comes out October 15th. Um, I got some modeling work and clothing line work that I'm actually flying to Paris Sunday uh, to shoot. So that's going to be a good look. Okay. No doubt, man. Well, again, man, thank you for your time, man. What on social media? How can the fans find you, follow you? Um, on all social media platforms, it is I am at I am Jason Love, all one word. So that's the at symbol, I A M J A S O N L U V. No doubt, um, man. That's Twitter, Instagram, everything. Absolutely, man. Well, Jason, the icon, the man who again will be teaching my son everything he knows here in the next 13 to 15 or so years. I'm sure his mother hopes later, man. But thank you again for coming on. Just know that there's always an open invitation for you to come on, discuss any projects, any appearances. You always have a home here at Flagrant Take. And uh, for all of you guys listening, appreciate you know all of your support. We are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And don't forget, man, always be good to one another. You know, rest in peace and thoughts for everybody, you know, still grieving from 9-11 who might have lost a loved one. And uh, we're praying for North Carolina with the pending hurricane coming. Y'all take care. Be good to one another. Peace.